Hello and welcome to The Family Business. I'm Shannon. I'm Donna. And I'm Kaz. And this week we are going to be discussing episode two entitled The Kids Are Alright. This episode opens up with a dad who is a complete and total dick. Is he though? Okay, so so here's the thing. What happens in the opening is this father brings his daughter back to the mom. Obviously parents are divorced, live in separate homes, everything. Brings daughter back to the home. Mom says, thank you for bringing her back. Because the kid's kind of having a meltdown and everything. And he's like, it's not like I had much choice. And gets in his car and fucking leaves. He doesn't say goodbye to his daughter. He doesn't say anything like that. I mean, he's just a fucking dick and then leaves. See, here's the thing. And I'm, I'm actually not surprised you said that. Because I, as soon as the daughter says he's mean to me, right. I was like... Oh, Shannon is going to react to that. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes, I am. But if once you realize what's actually going on, she probably sent, spent the whole time she was at his house going, I want mommy. I want mommy. I want right. mommy. Well, and, and that's understandable. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing, too. Coming from an aspect of somebody who investigated allegations of abuse and neglect of children, children don't always have the right words to say whenever they are experiencing something. And so whenever she, number one, tells her mother, I hate it there, and the mother just automatically disregards it. No, you don't. You don't hate it there. Don't ever do that to a child. Don't ever disregard what they're feeling. Mm-hmm. You, at that point, are going to ask them, why do you hate it there? Yeah. But then she goes on to say, well, daddy is mean to me, which I can see that. Dad's a dick. And there are monsters there. And again, a child may not actually be meaning a real live, oh, I think there's a monster there, but they equate things to other things that they can understand and they put into words. If your child is telling you something that is either bad or that, you know, should set off alarm bells, you should listen. Don't be a dick. To me, that opening was a big red herring. Because it was supposed to make you think there was something going on with Dad. Right. But in fact, there was nothing going on with Dad. There was something going on with the kid. Right. Uh, so it threw out this phrase that was quite the alarm bell to make you go, oh, what's Dad doing? Right. But in reality, I don't think he was a dick. I think he was I think he was a dad that his daughter didn't want to spend the day with him. I can see that because at that point she would have already been a changeling because mm-hmm. See that's what that's where I'm coming from. We don't know when the changeling shift happened. The child that was dropped off was a changeling already. It's hard to trust what the changeling was saying. But we also don't know if the child was the child telling her that. So, and like I said, I felt the same way with the red herring. I thought, oh, okay, so he's probably possessed. And, you know, the mother was reacting this way because she was like, oh, I, I thought everything was great over there. You know, we've been doing this for years. And suddenly there's this huge shift. So I thought, oh, dad's possessed. Oh, there's monsters. You know, and they also played on that kind of conception that sometimes children are a little bit more tuned to things that parents or, or we'll put this way, grown-ups will be like, no, 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 that's explainable. Oh, that's just the wind. Whereas actually there's a monster. So they played into that really well. So I thought it was an actual really good herring. What I thought was strange was how fast they unraveled that red herring. It was like, here's a red herring. And by the way, no, that's not what you thought. You're like, what? Yeah. I thought yeah. they were going to tease that out a little bit longer than they did. The reason I say he's a dick is based on how he was treating her when he brought her home. Yeah. And while I do understand, you know, she most likely was a changeling at that point, 
everything that I said about how you treat your children whenever they come to you with disclosures still stands. <laughs> it still stands. Well, I'm going to have a lot to say about Katie's mom later, so let's just table this. You mean Susan Smith? Who's Susan Smith? The lady who drove her two children into the lake and then pretended yes. like nothing happened. Yes. yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yes. that, that was the entire thing that was going through my mind whenever Me I was too. watching that. So. It was actually surprisingly triggering because... Yes. Let me just tell you, if we ever have a conversation about criminal justice, I will be there on the no cruel and unusual punishment. In my entire life, Susan Smith was the first person I was like, strap that fucking bitch into a car and roll her ass into a lake. <laughs> and I will still stand by that. Yeah. Uh, Understandable. Okay, anyway. So, moving on to kind of nicer topics, I guess you would say. Well, I, oh, wait, but, I do want to say one other thing, though, about, about the dad we dropped her off. If the child was having such issues, the dad didn't know the child was changeling, if it was. Right. And so, I do have to agree on that aspect, that he did not come back and say, hey, she's been really upset, hey, blah, blah, blah. It was just, here, she's your problem now, which is not a great way to parent no. at all. It's Especially not for divorced parents. It's fascinating to me that the two of you interpret it that way, and I interpreted it different. No, it's just it's just interesting, yeah. the different <laughs> viewpoints on it. That to me, I mean, if you think about the fit Katie threw when she went into the bathroom and locked the door, if that's what she was doing the whole time she was with Dad... That's, yeah. Right. That mm-hmm. is possible, too. Like, we just don't know. Yeah. We don't have the information! <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, anyway. So, now hopefully moving on to somewhat nicer topics. We cut to Sam and Dean, or actually Sam, sitting in a restaurant. And he gets a phone call from the mysterious blonde-headed woman. Right? No, she... she, No, when we see Sam, he's talking to Bobby on the phone. Oh, it's Bobby. Okay. Okay, yeah, that's right. Still working on translations of the demonic code. That's right. Okay, so then he pretends, in order to cover it up, he pretends like he's ordering a pizza in a restaurant. (laughs) So, not exactly (laughs) one of the smartest ways to, you know, cover up what you're doing. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And then that's whenever Dean segues into the hey, we've got this thing going on, you know, guy got killed by a table saw, and. Sam's like, well, do you really think that this is a job? And then we find out that Dean kind of maybe, sort of, possibly, absolutely, has ulterior motives in wanting to hook up with a lady who was like the, um, as he describes it, best night of my life, sexually, of course. Of course. Uh, And it's a woman named Lisa who, whenever Dean shows up, actually ends up having a child who was conceived right around the time that he and Lisa had sex. I love that they even went so far as to spike the kid's hair. Yes. They, I mean, he was wearing the same outfit Dean was wearing. He had spiked hair. Yes. He was ogling the chicks. Yeah, and whenever they're standing there uh, eating the, the cake and the ice cream, I mean, they're pretty well standing... In the same fashion, they eat at the same time as they look, you know, at the the mother and her daughter walk past and everything. So it was a great way to tie them together and give us yet, an unfortunately, another red herring. Because we do find out later that Ben is not actually Dean's I'm son. I'm still not 100% sure I buy it. <laughs> it's it's I, possible. I, I, I think it's entirely possible that she was still lying because... You admit that that's your father. All of a sudden, 
You've got claims on the kid. But here's the thing. Lisa, to me, and we may cover this in your female aspect of the, the episode later, but to me, Lisa did not seem like the type of person who would do that. Probably not. I mean, she seemed very down to earth. Mm-hmm. She seemed very open with she both Dean actually- and Ben one of the most realistic portrayals I've seen in a long time of how you would react to this strange dude coming up. Right. But we'll get to that later. Yeah. So, as we mentioned a little bit before, we do find out eventually that it is a changeling epidemic that has swept through Morning Hill gated community. With Z not being with us this season, we don't really have much of our lore master going, but we do learn within the... Ooh, Donna, yes. Would you like to regale us with some lore on Changelings? The thing is that the actual lore on Changelings doesn't match much with what we saw in this episode. Right. Uh, in the, the actual legends of Changelings typically have to do with elves or fairies or trolls, and they are almost always infants. In fact, a lot of the stories I read had to do with a unbaptized child. That once the child had been baptized, they were no longer vulnerable to Changelings. And in fact, in some cultures, they will put iron in the child's crib before they've been baptized in order to scare away. To make sure that baby is always your baby and not a changeling. Yep. And to pressure people into, you know, religion. Getting, getting those bapti- <laughs> baptized. Yeah. I can't say the word. Getting those baptisms. None of that really relates to what we saw in this episode. This was a definite monster of right. some kind who should really stay away from gas stoves. Yeah, yes. absolutely. And they looked a lot like the salt-sucking monster from original Star Trek. Yes, they did. Also a lamprey oh. eel. There we go. That's what I thought of was a lamprey eel immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we find out that the changelings will feed off of the mother... And they kill anyone who gets between them and the mom. So it could be like with Katie's dad. She killed him in order to get him out of the way. Well, because no, no more weekends of dads exactly, and dad's dead. <laughs> exactly. And with this too, which I think this kind of goes against the actual lore of changelings, they don't kill the person that they are impersonating. Actually, they, a lot of times the... the in legends, mm-hmm. the the child is taken oh, to the fairy to the fa- to yeah, the fairy to world. wherever the fairy world is yeah. in their understanding, which in some situations is the underground. Right. You know, you have this concept of the world turning over and that's where they are. Yeah, and that was with the thing, they hide the victims underground and we find out that the realtor lady is the one who is the mother of all of the changelings and she's got all these kids in cages in a house that's being built. I had to go look her up because she looks so familiar, the the actress that played that part. Uh-huh. And uh, I don't recognize her from anything else. All I can figure is I think she looks like the um, progressive insurance chick. Oh, Flo? <laughs> yeah. I think she looks a lot like the progressive uh, insurance chick. I will also with the, uh, them being underground, I thought it was uh, real clever with them actually being in the basement. Yes. So they were technically underground. Right. So they sort of modernized the legends a little bit. Yeah. And the, the red dirt was really clever, I thought. Yes. Because we see a lot of blood in the show. Like, yeah. All, like, it's overdone sometimes. Right. And so for them to be able to use that as another as a red herring, even though blood's already red, mm-hmm. ha ha, uh, I thought that was really really clever. Now, where was this supposed to be? Kansas? Cicero, Italy. No, Indiana. Indiana. Yeah, Cicero, Indiana. (laughs) Cicero, Indiana. This is Supernatural International. (laughs) They drove the Impala across Um, the Atlantic. But, 
Yeah, I mean, we're, we're here in Oklahoma, which is red dirt country, and... Uh, yep, we got, we got that red clay everywhere. And it doesn't look like blood. You would never mistake a smear of red clay for blood. No. Maybe Indiana has different red dirt. I don't know. Yeah, possibly. Going back to the realtor lady real quick, I just want to say, of course, the first time we see her is whenever she's talking to the other lady <laughs> at the, at, that uh, at Ben's yeah. party. Yeah, when she, they're describing, you know, the, the great night that Lisa had with him and everything. And she's like, oh, the Dean. Oh. But then the next time we see her is whenever she goes over to Katie's house after, you know, obviously dad's dead and all of this. And she's asking, you know, how are you? All this it brings over the, what was a bagel basket or something mm -hmm. like that. And then the bitch is just like, oh, hey, by the way, if you want to sell the house and all that, just let me know and everything. And I'm like, you know what? You can fuck right off. <laughs> I was like, who the hell does that to somebody whenever they're grieving? Have you ever been a realtor? Have I ever what? Met a realtor? Yes, actually I have. <laughs> and Ty, that time is money. Time is money. They, Although, they could be considered monsters sometimes. <laughs> I, did, I did think back to that scene, though, and it made me wonder if she was a changeling at that point, and she was checking in on the smaller changeling. Right. And that's why she was being real like persistent, and she pushed it enough, but then she, you know, the, uh, the lady closed the door. Right. But it was sort of like... Here's a basket, like looking at the the child changing. Everything going cool. Okay, I'm gonna go snatch somebody else. Yeah, you got this mom nice and crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Well, and she was. She yeah. She was on and beyond mm. the verge of crazy. And so. maybe maybe they were running out of room in that basement. She's like, I gotta get another house going because I'm running, like yeah. we're filling up. I am really glad they showed us Katie's mom's... Does she have a name? If she does, I never heard it. Okay, Katie's mom. I'm really glad they showed us Katie's mom's point of view in multiple occasions. Right. It at least gave her... I mean, I'm not okay with what she did. But it at least gave you some context for what she did. Right. So I, I really was glad they gave us her point of view on more than one occasion. You were getting ready to mention earlier the mysterious woman showing up. Yes, the mysterious blonde. She does come back in this episode. We still don't know her name. But Sam tries to talk to her about the demon-killing blade, and she kind of sidetracks that into, hey, by the way, do you know all of the crap that went on with your mom, her mm -hmm. friend, all of this? And so she gets Sam to digging into more of his past. But at the end of the episode, we get to find out that pretty much anybody who was associated with Mary Winchester as a friend or, you know, a close confidant or whatever the case may be, is dead. Yeah. That they are just toast and moved on. And then we also get the added benefit of learning that the blonde-headed woman is actually a demon. And she is yep. promising Sam exactly what he wants in that, hey, I can help you get Dean out of his contract with the Crossroads Demon. I want to make a parenthetical comment really praising Jared Padalecki for how he handled that scene. Mm -hmm. Because he was like, tell me who you are. Tell me who you are. And then he's roaring at her and coming at her. Right. Tell me who you are. There was never a point 
when you got that big powerful man threatening right. the skinny little woman right in that scene so i i was really impressed that he managed to express that forcefulness without it ever seeming like he was about to beat her up it was pretty pretty impressive the one thing that I liked about that scene too is with Katie Cassidy's acting, she is totally unfucking phased by anything that's going on. I mean, it's almost too whenever she relents, she's like, okay, because she's almost like bored with yeah. what he's trying to get out of her. And so I really appreciated her acting in that scene because mm-hmm. she wasn't affected at all yeah. by what was going on. And I think yeah. that that was great. Yeah, and it was a it was a good scene as well. In the fact that whenever you have a character that has vast amounts of knowledge and somebody's trying to get information out of them and they won't, there's a really easy line there to make it frustrating to the audience yeah. to the point it's no longer entertaining. Yes. And uh, I think they did a real good job of showing that Sam tried as best that he could and then also giving us a little bit, giving us enough to be like, okay, we got something out of it. <laughs> right. <laughs> when she grabbed his hand and started writing on it, and I realize the dynamic is a little different when it's a chick grabbing a dude's hand. Nonetheless... A stranger that I don't trust grabs my hand. They're not holding on to it. Right. And I just thought it was really interesting that he let her hold on to his hand like that. Because it would not have worked that way if it had been me. I guess I missed that. Yeah, when she said, check into your mom and give me a call. She And she was fast, too. She didn't, like, reach across it. She grabbed his hand and turned it over and wrote a phone number in his hand. Okay, I may have been making a note or something yeah. at that point because I didn't see that. Now, was that what... Did he know that she was a demon? No, he no. didn't know she was a demon at that point because that's still whenever yeah. they're sitting and talking. And she's she's still claiming to be a hunter. Right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, I agree. If somebody grabs onto me, it, it's going to go badly for somebody. I mean, the least that's going to happen is I'm going to jerk my arm or yeah. hand, whatever, away from them. Other than that, you, I can't be held accountable for what I might do. So, yeah, just saying. All right, guys. Well, at this time, we are going to go ahead and take a break. We would really appreciate it if you would go visit us on iTunes or Google Play and give us a rating, a review, and a subscribe. That really helps us out and makes it easier for other people to find us. And after you've done that, you can interact with us on social media. We would love to chat with you. On Twitter, you can find us at TFB underscore SPN Fancast. On Instagram, you can find us at the Family Business underscore SPN Fancast. And we're also on Facebook at Snarkcasts. And you can check out all of our sister podcasts and other cool stuff can be found at GumbyCatNetworks.com. Once more with feeling, the 20th anniversary Buffyverse fancast, Collective Snark, and Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, a good ghoul's guide to horror. All right, so Donna, do you want to go ahead and touch on the female aspect of the episode? Boy, do I have a lot of things to say about that. There were, in contrast to a lot of episodes... A lot of female characters in this episode. Yes. Not not just the kids, but the parents, too. I think an objection I have is they were all very mother trope-type characters. They were all very focused on their kids, which I guess makes a little bit of sense because, you know, the kids are what the episode's about. Right. But still, Katie's mom, she needs some therapy. Katie's mom needs some help. Yeah. The thing that really bothered me about Katie's mom, I mentioned earlier, I was glad they gave us her POV. I think that really helped. But here's the problem I have. Even after she decided that Katie was not her daughter, she never once expressed, where is my daughter? Right. And that's kind of where I had the problem. Because if I decide that my kid is not my kid, okay. 
I want to know where my kid is. Right. And the same was true later with Lisa when Ben changed. She was like, you're not my son. But she didn't say, where Where is is my my son? son? Right. Uh, So that was kind of a problem I had with both of them. Having said that, Katie's mom was very believable, I felt, as just being driven crazy by this. I mean, and what are you going to do when your kid suddenly turns into a parasite? What are you going to do? And and coupled with the the death of her ex-husband. Yeah. They assumably had some sort of decent relationship. They, They apparently had a working relationship. Working, um, that's the term I was looking for. <laughs> they had a working relationship to some degree. Exactly. So he was he was dead, and then his, his child, or not his child, their child was going kind of nutso, and then she's feeling that it's not her child at all, and so you have this double loss whammy hitting her. Still don't think that excuses what she it, did. It doesn't. Right. I will doesn't. say one oh. other thing that's not, not a defense of her, but when Dean is at the party and Katie and her mom show up, there's a conversation that Lisa has with Katie's mom. And in that conversation, she says, we're going to get you some help. And it pisses Katie's mom off. Yes, it does. But also, no help is then offered. Right. She is then left on obviously distressed and disturbed. And nobody checks on her. Nobody. Right. Um, I so, mean, the realtor checked on her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah. That was super helpful. Yeah. I mean, at the least, and I know that this is going to be an unpopular opinion, but at the least, I mean, a welfare check with, you know, social services should have been requested at or with the police, whatever the case may be. Because, I mean, if a parent is automatically telling you, hey, that's not my kid, I know that's not my kid, my go-to would be, there's something mentally... We, we need to check on this. Yes, yeah. exactly. We, we, should, we should be doing something about this. The other thing I will say before we move on is that I mentioned earlier, this is one of the more believable portrayals of how you would react to a strange person coming around you. You know, she, it's, not, it's not that she doesn't know Dean, but she hasn't seen him for eight years. And when he starts, like, approaching her son right. and giving him advice, she's like, no, you get away from my kid, which is what you would do. Well, and the thing like, is, I don't know you. You're you just get away from my kid. Well, and I mean, their relationship was it was purely sexual yeah. over a weekend, and so for two, maybe three days, maybe four, who knows? Their relationship was just all about sex. It wasn't the relationship. And Lisa acknowledged that pretty much with her, you know, well, I had a type thing. Yeah. But she doesn't know him at all. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you can't use somebody's prowess in bed as, you know, a barometer for, you know, how fucking insane they are. even a little. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Now, with Lisa staying on the female aspect of it, one thing that I really appreciated was whenever she was going through that little spiel about, you know, well, he was a bar back and all of this, and, you know, he did this and no address and blah, blah, blah. She said, "I, I admit it, I had a type. And then it was just kind of a chuckle between them, and it was done. There was no slut shaming. No. There was none of this, oh, you're a loose whore. It was just a, hey, I am a sexual person, and now we're done. I I, I agree completely. I agree completely, yeah. I thought that, too. As soon as that started coming up, I was like, oh, boy, here we go. And then that didn't happen. I was like, what? Yeah. Just... Like, intelligent adults just having a conversation? It's amazing! Yes, exactly. I will say that she must be some sort of heiress to be able to afford a house in a gated neighborhood as a single mom. Well, but we don't know what she did for a living. I mean... She's a yoga teacher. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Maybe no. she's a really damn good yoga teacher. Maybe she's got five or six classes a week. <laughs> Who knows? Um, 
Although, coming back to that, whenever I liked that they mirrored, because uh, you guys brought this up before, the two moms that were talking about Dean, I liked that they mirrored how Dean had objectified her at the beginning to Sam. You know, right. She's the Gumby woman. And yes. All this, and then how exactly the same she had been objectifying Dean to them. Yes. So I was glad that that was kind of like equaled out. Good well, point. And yeah. the, the yeah. funny thing is, too, is that Dean realizes what they're doing. Yeah. And it makes him incredibly <laughs> uncomfortable to the point where he like starts walking one way and then just kind of like doubles back and goes yeah. the other way. Yep. So, so yeah, it, it was... It was to have the objectification, you know, turned around the other way, mm-hmm. not just one gender. I exactly. Thought, I thought that was a good put in for that. Yes. So, yeah. And we got a little bit of character on the realtor turn changeling. And that's usually not something that happens to Dean. Dean is not the one being objectified usually, other than by the viewers, of course. I mean, he would like to be most of the time. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> well, so he leads in and they're just like, yeah, okay, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think it was a nice little twist on that. Dean is great with kids. Yes. Dean is so great with kids, and I love it. And you know what we really ought to talk about is Dean's assumption that he's a dad. Because as soon as he decides that Ben is his kid, he's putting a lot of responsibility on Ben. You get them out of here. He is he is counting, when they go down into the basement, he is counting on Ben to be basically his lieutenant. But here's, here's my take on that, too. Mm-hmm. Ben was the most recently, as far as we know, most recently abducted child. Sure, so the, so week. he hadn't been fed on as much and all of that. I mean, that one kid that they showed, oh my God, that kid looked like death. I, I was surprised that child was able to walk out of the basement, let alone climb out of the basement. Yeah. So I think that that may have been a part of it too. Mm-hmm. Plus also Dean and Ben already had that that connection. Yeah. They knew each other however well at that point. And so I think Dean realized that he could rely on Ben to get the other kids Absolutely. out of there. Well, but I want you to remember, I'm sorry, but I want you to remember in our introduction to John Winchester, Sam and Dean, is John looking at Dean and saying, get Sam out of here. Right. And that's basically what Dean said to oh, Ben. Oh, yeah. Right. Get them out of here. I right. thought about that. Yeah. yeah. But here's the thing. Ben also, he offered up his jacket. Right. Yes. Like, I don't think, Dean didn't ask for it. No. He right. just broke it out and, and Ben took it off. And I think that was like, okay, look, you've got initiative. Great. Do this, do this. Right. I've got to fight this thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. And I think it was great, too, that whenever, you know, as we're winding down that part of the episode, that we see Ben sitting at the table, eating, listening to music, things like that, and does not appear to be affected by what it was that mm-hmm. he went through. And so I think that that was a great contrast to what actually happened to, you know, Sam and Dean getting fucked up for years and years and years right. is that Ben does not appear like he is going to be affected by what it was that happened. I don't know though, because Dean lets a lot of stuff that fucks him up roll off his shoulders. And I'm wondering if Ben just did the same thing. He's like, no, I'm totally fine. I'm totally fine. And he's just breaking apart inside. And that's possible, too. I mean, obviously, we don't get to see if that's how True. You know, it affects But it would make him, him even more like Micro Dean. I have a note that I can't read, and maybe one of you can help me. Fantastic. Oh, I just figured it out. Probably. Save Dean. Those are the magic words. That's what... The mysterious woman said to Sam that got him on her side. Oh, yes. Dean. Okay, so yes. that's that's what my note means. Ah. Yeah, because she tells him mm-hmm. pretty much exactly what he wants to hear. Yeah. In that, hey, I can help you get him out of this 
contract. Mm-hmm. I want to kind of go back real quick on the the Dean and Ben dynamic. Okay. Uh, because I did make a note because Lisa pointed this out. Dean is disappointed that he's not Ben's dad. Yeah. And Jensen did a great job of portraying that because you can see on his face as soon as Lisa tells him, you know, no, I got a blood test or DNA test. I did all of this. I know exactly who it is, all of that. You can see that he is just almost destroyed by the fact that his hopes and dreams and aspirations and all of that are just gone. Sure. And he's, he's going to die. And, and he, he saw himself living in right. this son. Yep. That's not his son. He and, saw some, his work being carried on and, yep. and then no. Well, and he asked. The car will go on now. Right. What am, <laughs> what am I leaving behind other than a car? Yeah. And so, I mean, while Baby is awesome and is part of Dean and everything, it's not really a legacy. It's not really a an actual part of him that will continue on and give him that sort of immortality that, you know, people can experience through knowing that, hey, I've got kids, I've got grandkids, I've got all of this. I think that Jensen did a great job of portraying that disappointment. It was well done. Agreed. I think the one thing I would I would want to mention is that this episode really skims the investigation. We spend so much time watching yes. Katie and Katie's mom that like there's a point where uh, Sam holds up an image and says there's a there's one in every victim's house. Right. And there was a moment when I was like, "What are you talking about?" Because we hadn't seen the investigation that led to that. And then I was like, "Oh yeah, there's been several accidents." And there's one of these weird kids in every well, house. He, he posed as the insurance adjuster yeah. who went to look at the ladder where the guy had fallen off. And we see creepy little Dakota standing in the window. And that's whenever he notices the first red mark on the windowsill and everything. The and, bite, yeah. But that was it. And then the next thing you know, we've got Dean walking into the hotel. Sam's looking at changelings on the computer. They're like, oh, hey, it's changelings. Aha. And then we just kind of segue into yeah. the rest of it. But yeah, it was a very, very short. I don't think they even spent five minutes of time on the actual investigation. No, because they spent so much time on Katie and her mom. Which was yeah. good. Agreed. It was good stuff. This The scene where uh, the mom was in the bathroom while the kid is pounding on the door. Oof, that yeah, was that was good. unnerving. Well, hopefully now that Katie's back, she won't, you know, go batshit crazy. I think she's Susan Smith her again. Probably still needs a belt. She still needs a home. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why I'm saying. Hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. She, she, she needs she needs some good professional. Help. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we want to thank you for joining us, and we invite you to come back next week whenever we will be discussing episode three entitled Bad Day at Black Rock. So, until then, carry on. Jerk. Bitch. Gumby Cat Productions. Podcasts for podcast people. Meow. Meow.